Ladies and gentlemen, I have a heart condition. And that's what we're going to talk about today on The Grid. The Grid, a digital frontier of freedom. It's our platform where we talk about faith, politics, and commerce, where we analyze current events from biblical and common sense perspectives. I'm so glad you knocked. The door is open and we have answered. Come on in and welcome to The Grid. Well, welcome family, friends, neighbors, patriots, believers alike, and welcome to you, Sean. Good to have you today. Hey there, Chris. It's awesome. Uh, we thank you, everybody, for listening to this edition of The Grid. This is our flagship podcast production of the Kingdom Patriot Group. And as always, before we jump into today's topic, Sean, we're going to do what? The News and Review. The News and Review. Hello and welcome to this edition of News and Review. I'm Sean Griffin filling in for the vacationing Chris Kuhlman. He and his family are across the pond having fun. We previously recorded this episode in preparation for their trip to Europe. The four headlines that we will pull from Fox News today are North Korea launches missile after U.S. warned nuke attacks would end Kim's regime. Fox News poll lays out where Trump and Biden stand in hypothetical 2024 showdown. Headline number three, Russia issues warning after Finland dragged into NATO, there will be problems. Anti-Semitism exposed. Jewish Americans forced to make a choice on embracing heritage as anti-Semitism rises. So those are the four headlines we're going to tackle this week that I'm going to comment on. Let's start off with Rocket Man, shall we? North Korea launches missile after U.S. warned nuke attacks would end Kim's regime. Did you know that North Korea has test fired 100 missiles since the beginning of 2022? Not if Trump had been in office. North Korea's defense ministry accused the U.S. of destabilizing the region by deploying military assets to South Korea. Assets include strategic bombers and nuclear-powered submarines. I'm not sure what to be more surprised um, that we actually did something, because the current administration is all full of disappointing surprises. Actually grateful that this has been done. So, anyway, surprise. Reuters is reporting that hours before Rocket Man launched the latest missile, the U.S. and South Korea released a joint statement warning North Korea that any attack, any nuclear attack against South Korea or its allies is unacceptable and will be met with swift, overwhelming, and decisive response. Almost sounds like Trump wrote it. The U.S. doubled down by saying that an attack will be met with swift, overwhelming, and decisive response. I'm impressed. That's good. And we hope that this never happens. Next up, Fox News lays out where Trump and Biden stand in hypothetical 2024 showdown. As you can see by the graphic, Donald Trump is at 69%. That includes a plus or minus 5% accuracy. And as you see right there, the rest of the group doesn't even quite make 
the 31% opposite the 69%. Now, my thought on the matter is Ron has been sinking and Vivek has been rising. I suspect that the last two in the race for the Republican nomination are going to be Donald Trump and Vivek Ramaswamy. Vivek is clearly a sharp businessman, and he's been paying attention to how Donald Trump and Barack Obama have conducted themselves. You can see a little bit in various video clips of both of them in his approach. Anyway, we'll see. My personal thought, Trump will have the victory. Next up, we've got Russia issues warning after Finland dragged into NATO. There will be problems, Putin promises. So here's the deal. So Finland was dragged into NATO, according to Putin's interpretation of things. They were dragged into NATO because of the war in Ukraine. He promises problems for Finland. He claims that countries like Finland and others with whom they had no problems are creating artificial problems by joining NATO, thus forcing Russia to create Leningrad-like military districts and concentrate military units near their border. My take? There's a certain wealthy globalist elite that want there to be a boogeyman in Europe. Because if there is a boogeyman, then there's a common enemy that helps justify or inspire countries to come in to their protection. It's a strategy to gain control, is what it is. Use or create conflict to gain control. Poke the bear, and by nature you know it's going to attack. It's simple. And in the words of Rahm Emanuel, Never let a serious crisis go to waste. Our fourth headline, anti-Semitism exposed Jewish Americans forced to make a choice in embracing heritage as anti-Semitism rises. Anti-Semitism isn't rising just in the U.S., it's rising around the globe. The Anti-Defamation League, or the ADL, records dramatic increase in U.S. anti-Semitic incidents following the October 7 Hamas massacre. So get a load of this. 312 anti-Semitic incidents have taken place between October 7 and October 23rd of this year. In America, 190 were directly linked to the war in Israel and Gaza. In comparison, in 2022, the ADL reports only 64 incidents. Now let's take a look at what's going on around the world. Argentina, around 231 reports of anti-Semitic uh, incidents. Australia, a 591% increase in incidents since October 7. Austria, 76 anti-Semitic incidents. Brazil, 467. France, over 1,800 anti-Semitic incidents. Germany, from October 7 to November 9, there were 994. Netherlands, October 7 through November 6, an increase of 
compared to the, the average one month in the prior three years. South Africa, 41 anti-Semitic incidents in the month of October. And the UK, we conclude with the UK by saying 2,093 anti-Semitic incidents across the UK. Folks, this is not good. My take, I believe that the Lord is using the rise of anti-Semitism around the globe to spark and to motivate Jews around the world to migrate to Israel. So here's the deal. Anti-Semitism is a demonic entity, and it has been released across the world. And it is tapping on influencing and whispering in people's ears that you would never expect this to happen. I believe very firmly that many Jews around the world, that, well, I say around the world, believe very firmly that many Jews around the world are where they are now because they live comfortable lives, comfortable, successful, peaceable lives. There's no need for them to go to Israel. But I believe, even though this is wickedness on the rise, I believe that the Lord will use this to motivate them to move to Israel. On behalf of Chris Coleman, I'm Sean Griffin, and for this week's News and Review, that's a wrap. Midwest Glass & Mirror is a full-service glass & Mirror company. Located in Stevensville, Michigan, this company serves both residential and commercial customers in Southwest Michigan and Indiana. In business for over 30 years, they are the Glass & Mirror industry leader and are trusted by homeowners, property managers, and commercial clients. Their mission is to exceed your expectations by delivering top-notch professionalism, integrity, and craftsmanship. I know one of the partners personally, and I can assure you he is a man of faith, a patriot, and loves God and country. He's a great example of American small business success due to hard work and an expert craft. Call 269-428-4464 or visit MidwestGlass.com today and ask how they can help you. Again, that's MidwestGlass.com or call 269-428-4464. Be sure to mention that you're a Kingdom Patriot. All right, to our podcast topic today, The Heart Condition. Sean, I heard a sermon last week that really, I think, sets the tone, and that is gratitude is the attitude of the heart, and that just so resonated with me, and then you had this idea of maybe this is a, a time for us to share some testimony of just when you know we have, we, we've had these opportunities in our lives to be grateful for God has intervened or God has done something quite special. And as we come on the heels of Thanksgiving, I was just so thankful during Thanksgiving just to spend time with my family. So it seems like to me, this is an appropriate time to have those conversations. What do you think? I'm in full tilt agreement. <laughs> full tilt agreement. So I'm going to get us started today. Um, I'm going to tell a quick story. My family who may be listening already knows this, but I'm going to share a quick story about supernatural forgiveness. Now, most of you don't know me when I was a, when I was a, a younger gentleman, but growing up, uh, I, I kind of had a chip on my shoulder. I was definitely a lost soul. Um, just had tremendous amounts uh, of conflict with with my mom, and as uh, as my my dad and my brother could attest, it was pretty significant through the teenage years. I was I was a re rebellious young man, and my mom and my, really my mom didn't know how to handle that. 
And there's just a ton of bitterness. I went off to college, a lot of bitterness. But of course, as often happens, you cannot outrun the long arm of the Holy Spirit. And he got a hold of me in college and really just did a supernatural work on my heart. And I remember sitting in my dorm room, um, I believe this is 1993 when I graduated, and I just felt convicted by the Lord to apologize to the for the way that I had treated my mom and my dad and uh, and just confess to some of the things that I had done um, as a wild and rebellious teenager. And of course, when I did, uh, my parents, the response was very interesting, especially my mom, which was, okay. And it was like, I was, I was expecting something more. I mean, there's just no doubt that I was. But yet in that process, in asking for forgiveness for, for my sin and the things that I had done, the Lord used that to soften my heart. We often think about um, providing forgiveness to someone and that, but in this case, I was asking forgiveness for myself and it softened my heart towards my mom and whatever the Lord did that day, my attitude towards her was never the same. I, I did not look at her anymore through the rest of my life of someone who is anger and, and just, uh, just angry and bitter about the conflict we had. I just saw her th- with much more compassionate eyes and sure we still had conflict and certainly she still got upset with me, but the fact that I could view that differently just showed me that the Lord really does change the heart. It was it was just an amazing move of forgiveness through forgiveness. So I just want to say that I am very grateful to the Lord for, for doing that. Sean, you have a story about comfort and restoration, and that's the one that you definitely want to do first, right? Yes. I um, occasionally like to go down to Galveston when I can get a, you know, a little hotel room or something that overlooks the seawall if i can it's been a while anyway went down uh during a summer and uh on one of those particular days that i was there i decided to go down and get a couple more t-shirts at walmart so went down there and got my stuff together and as i'm approaching the check stand there's there's nobody standing at any one of these particular ones but i did see a lady and i felt like the lord said that she would be my cashier and i felt like he had something for her Anyway, so I, I went around and uh, I felt like he had something to do with her grandchildren. But as I looked at her, I thought, oh, is she old enough to have grandchildren? I'm looking at her and I'm like, I don't know if she's all, I don't want to, oh my gosh. Anyway, so I was just like, you know what? Just go with it. So um, uh, I asked her if she happened to have grandchildren. And she smiled and she said, why, yes, I do. And I said, well, I'm a Christian, which normally I don't do. Um, And I said, sometimes the Lord gives an encouraging word. And I was, sometimes I'll just ask if they'd like to hear an encouraging word, but I was just going to go ahead and give it. And I still didn't have it as I'm speaking. And then suddenly, boom, there it is. And I said, I feel like the Lord is saying... And as I said, the word saying, I got it. And the word was, they're okay. Now, immediately on the inside, I'm like, they're okay. What is that? Anybody could have said that. Right. What do you, and, but, okay. So that's the, that's what's going on on the inside here. Right. Cause I'm like, didn't like that at all, but that's what hit me. She, on the other hand, she just lit up and she said, 
oh my goodness, I need to give you a hug. <laughs> and so she comes around and then she's like, give me a hug. And as she's coming back, she said, my grand, my, uh, my daughter-in-law will not let me see my grandchildren. Mm. And I've been asking the Lord how they are. And so what I was rebuking myself for was actually a very specific answer to prayer. They're okay. Immediately, I knew what the Lord wanted to do. Reconcile. He wanted to bring them back together. You know, he didn't give any clue as to what had torn them apart. It didn't matter. But the Lord wanted to restore that relationship. So I said, can I pray for you? And she was like, she tried to write back around out, out, outside and she assumed the position and she said, I never turned down prayer. I was just like, this is awesome. So play prayed really quick because she's busy. She's at work. So you, you don't pray a church prayer, you know, where you can pray for 15, 20 minutes. Um, so just pray for her for reconciliation. And, uh, you know, I've never seen her. Um, but I really feel like the trajectory of what happened in those few moments that the Lord, I feel confident that the Lord intervened and restored her to her grandchildren. That, that, that is a fantastic story. And man, there's so many things that come to mind that I don't even have time to get into. But uh, one, one thing that jumps out, though, is that you applied your human wisdom to what a simple word. This means nothing. But we're reminded in Corinthians where the Lord tells us that he confounds the wise, the, the wisdom of the wise, because the Lord ultimately is going to get the glory. And who would have thought of such a simple word? But yeah, yeah. it's exactly what that lady needed. So yeah, yeah. That's, that's fantastic. So good. Well, I have a story about um, grace, and I, I guess I would say grace, mercy, and, and in some ways deliverance. And it actually involves my uh, oldest daughter, Jessica. And uh, a lot of people don't know, she was actually born in a birthing center about 45 minutes away uh, from where we lived. And of course, it seems like with all our kids, we were driving in the middle of the night, you know, to get to the birthing center. And we got there and it was pretty hard labor. Um, John David was uh, a C-section. So Jessica was actually a natural birth. So it, it was just, a, it was, so it was really Barbara's first, first uh, natural birth. And when Jessica was born, we, it was just so, it was so, we were so excited. We had a friend there, Kim and and she was just praying over tongue, praying in tongues over Barbara for for several hours. It was very, very peaceful, and I mean, you just could sense God's presence there. And I was like all excited to cut the umbilical cord, and I was going you know, to kind of do that dad thing. And then, then Jessica was born, and um, the the scene immediately went dark spiritually, so to speak. Um, I didn't get a chance to cut the umbilical cord. The nurse cut it immediately and yanked Jessica off the bed and was shaking her vigorously back and forth like a rag doll. She was completely gray, was not crying. And the nurse is saying to her, stay with us, Jessica, stay with us, Jessica, and is just shaking her like, like a rag doll. And we are, we are freaking out. And what had happened is Jessica had been born not only with a cord wrapped around her neck, but she had also ingested meconium, which when a when a baby has waste inside of a mom, sometimes she had ingested it all in her lungs. So not only was the cord wrapped around her neck, but she also couldn't even breathe if, if, if not, because basically her lungs were filled up with, with poop. 
And uh, yeah, sorry for the audience. That's, that's kind of nasty, but it, it was pretty bad. Well, ultimately, uh, it w- what seemed like an eternity for us, but probably was more like 45 seconds, they were able to, to kind of clean out her mouth and she coughed and she started crying. And even later, people told us, you know, don't be surprised if your daughter has developmental you know, uh, disabilities and things because of the lack of oxygen and things like that. And anyway, not long after that, uh, w- when you give birth, then, you know, you have the afterbirth and, um, the nurse then also said, do you see this? And she was kind of showing us, uh, the cord in which, um, uh, w- that it was attached to the placenta and it was very stringy and almost completely detached. And she, she called it, I think, a filamentous cord or something like that. But she basically said that it had almost completely ripped away from the placenta. If that had happened, Jessica would have died within, within 15 seconds. And then she said this, and she witnessed, you know, the whole uh, um, Kim there praying and I was praying and Barbara was praying and all of that. She looked at us dead in the eyes and said, you must live your lives right. And it was just a powerful powerful testimony to God, to God's grace, because not only did was Jessica's life saved that day by, by the intervention of the Lord, but not only, and she, she doesn't have development disability. She's a 4.0 student, uh, high ambition, high drive. Jessica, if you're listening to just a shout out to you that, um, from the moment you were born, God has had his hand on you. And, uh, it was, I, we talk about having uh, a gratitude as an attitude of the heart. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful because she, she is a wonderful kid. What wonderful daughter. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to tear up there. So we're going to switch gears, Sean, and we're going to get to your prophetic story now that, uh, that I know you're waiting to tell second. Sure. Yeah. Let me get all misty eyed. Yeah. I did that on purpose. I have heard only part of that story. And um, I didn't, I didn't know that. In fact, you know, I have never had kids and just recently found out that, you know, babies can ingest stuff that's in the womb and it's like, oh my gosh. So anyway, yeah, beautiful picture. So, okay. So um, I wrote a book and I'm not here to plug the book, but well, we can't see it too well on there. Very you go. It's, difficult folks, it's to phenomenal see. Christianity. I'll put the yes. plug in for Sean. Because we do these virtual backgrounds because we don't have a set studio just yet, but we're going Anyway, wrote, <clears throat> wrote this about four years ago. Um, and the, the, the core of it, which is chapter five, is just one story after another uh, of uh, walking in power. So there's prophetic stories, there's stories of healing. They're all testimonies. There's 90 in the book total, uh, but chapter five is the bulk of them. And they just, it, it was just, they're just journal entries really. So they're very quick to read anyway. So I was at a, um, I was at a, uh, I was going to a church that met, on Friday nights. And this particular Friday night, I was pastor speaking and my gaze kept landing just on this older gentleman with a beard. And, you know, you go through uh, the, the preaching was almost an hour. And so m- multiple times, I just realized that I'm staring at this older gentleman. So repetition is one of the signs that the Lord wants to do something. You keep running into somebody. Um, they keep showing up, you know, here, there, everywhere. 
the Lord might be wanting to do something and trying to get your you, attention. You get messages in threes. That happens to me mm-hmm. uh, quite quite mm-hmm. often because it takes three times for me, you know, to pay attention. Yeah. It's usually the third time when I start to recognize there seems to be a pattern going on here. Exactly. So I asked the Lord if he had something that, you know, if you wanted to do something for him, if you had a word for him or whatever. So immediately, so, you know, I just kind of closed my eyes because I want to see in the theater of my mind if he's showing me anything. So I see what looks like a pen stroke against white. Well, the pen stroke became the top of a tank. And then the tank became a line of tanks and they were going down uh, the, the street of what looked like a European village. And the the vantage point of the viewpoint that I had was looking down like from the second story. So I'm suddenly seeing this line of uh, tanks going through this village. And I got the sense that this scene played out in his childhood I don't often get that many details. Uh, So this was interesting. And it did start off as a cartoon. I later realized, oh, it started off as a cartoon. Um, And, you know, children love cartoons. I always did anyway. Later, as, you know, things were breaking up and people going home, his group, we all sat in tables because we had dinner first and all that good stuff. Anyway, the group that he was with, they got up and, and they were uh, they were starting to leave. And so as he was coming by, I asked him, uh, can I risk something? And so he, he agreed. And I'm going to read this part because it's just, uh, it, it's good. I told him that while I was praying for him earlier, had a vision of tanks rolling down the street and wondered, might they be from his childhood? Does that mean anything to you? And I forgot something. When he spoke, he spoke with an Australian accent and I discovered, and I found out that he and his wife were from Australia. And I thought, wow, am I off? Because in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't know a lot about Australian history, but I can't think of anything that might look like a European village with tanks going through it, taking place in Australia. Sure. So I thought I've missed it. Well, anyway, I decided, you know what? I'm just going to press through. <laughs> so I asked him, does that mean anything to you? And his response was, yes, I grew up in Croatia. Whoa. Yeah. That was mine. Uh, I, I, was, I was stunned. I knew then the impression on my heart that the message of the image, that God's purpose for the word of knowledge had to be true. So I prayed for him and his wife and their extended family and, and prayed about trauma. You know, we broke trauma from the childhood and all that, from what they, what he had seen and prayed for peace because I got the sense that he had never known peace at home. And here he is a a man who's older than I am. He, you know, a, a more senior gentleman. I'm not sure if he was, Uh, he was probably in his sixties, but I'm not a hundred percent anyway. So he thanked me and I'm just pondering what just happened and thankful that I'd pressed through despite the fact that I heard the Australian accent and thought I totally missed it. Yep. And then I hear, I feel this tap on my shoulder and I turn around and it's him. And he says, I have never known peace 
in my home. Mm. Wrecked me. I mean, I, I, I got choked up. I didn't have a response from him. I was so stunned. And he smiled and he turned around and he, he walked, you know, walked out. It's like, whoa. He had never known peace in his home. Mm. And Jesus says, um, my peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. I do not give as the world gives, yeah. which is beyond circumstance, beyond yeah. the current state, beyond the trauma. His peace is eternal. We can probably just stop right there and go uh, mic drop. You're listening to The Grid, a podcast production of the Kingdom Patriot Group. You can find us at kingdompatriot.us. That's kingdompatriot.us. And now we're on YouTube. So be sure to hit like and follow and subscribe to keep up with the latest episodes. We'd love to hear from you. We read all your comments. Let us know if there's a subject you'd like us to address. The Grid. The intersection of faith, politics, and commerce. Mondays on your favorite podcast player. And now on YouTube. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Yes, but you have yet one more to close. I us. do. I have I have one more story to share that um not only made me grateful, it, it's sobering. Um, and I'll just go back to it. Uh, my, if my cousin Josh is listening, Josh, this occurred in your home back in the early, early 90s, 1991, I, I think. So here's kind of the story. Um, I would go during the summers, I would go a weekend or two a month down to my aunt and uncle's in uh, in a little suburb in Tyler, Texas, and I would go water skiing. And I did it enough anyway, that when I would go to church with them on Sundays, I develop uh, a relationship with the young college singles leader, whatever. So, I mean, I just, I just knew them there at, at the, the church in white house. Well, anyway, um, this one evening I go to, I go to bed and I have this, I have this dream and, and I'll try to, uh, I'll try to be brief, but it, unfortunately the details are, are important. So in the dream, what I remember, I don't remember my wife. I don't remember you, Sean. I mean, there was a lot of people I don't remember, but I remember clay. Uh, Clay Carroll was in the dream and we're standing in the parking lot of a very large skyscraper building. And the immediately the it's like three in the afternoon and the sky complete turns completely black, just just totally dark as if it was three in the morning and just pitch black. Clay and I are start jumping around saying Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. The top of the skyscraper blows up and there are people jumping out of it. And, you know, to their death. And I knew in the dream that it, that it blew up because there were terrorists up there. They were, they were blowing up the, the building. And so that happens, the sky turns black and then way off in the distance, like a cylinder of light comes out of, of the sky and Jesus descends on like a pedestal of light. And it was really weird because it was like way off in the horizon, but yet I could still see his face, even though it was the horizon. And for those of you who are watching, Jesus held his hands out like this. And then like he was throwing a yo-yo, he closed his right hand and he threw out like that. And when he did, it was like a yo-yo of light and power that just stripped away the darkness in the sky. And then when he pulled his hand back, like he would retrieve a yo-yo, the light came right back to his hand. It, it was like he did it as just a pure demonstration of power. Well, then 
after he did that, he's still holding his hands like this. He motions towards himself just like this. And I was literally ripped off the ground. And so there were others. But the thing, one of the things that really pointed out that, that really just stood out to me was out of all the people in the landscape, the horizon, the parking lot, just all people everywhere, how few people were, were being pulled. Just it was here, here one over there, one over there. It was, it was, it was a much smaller proportion compared to the people who were there. And I'm, I'm, and I remember being scared and I hesitated and I kind of, you know, when somebody tries to pick you up, that's bigger than you, you try to hunker down and make yourself heavier than you are. So they can't pick you up. That's what I did. I hesitated and just squatted down, but nonetheless, the power was so great. I mean, I was just ripped off the ground and I was just propelled towards Jesus it was so real. I mean, I still remember my hair flapping in the wind as I'm just flying through the air at breakneck speed. And as I get right up to Jesus, I hit the cylinder of light and immediately shoot straight up this. Choo, and I popped out up above the clouds. And I remember the Lord sitting on his throne and I, I was, I stared at him and it was like, I couldn't see him because he was so bright yet. I could see him. It was just, it's just, I, I don't know how to describe it. I, and a lot of people don't know, but there, if there's one thing that I have anxiety around in life, it's when I start contemplating the concept of forever. It gives, it, I can have a panic attack about it. And, um, and in the dream, I had that while I'm flying through the air. And when I popped up in the clouds, it completely melted away. And I sat there before the Lord, or I stood there before the Lord and just, I don't know if I wept or I just, I was so uh, shameful that I had, hesitated when Jesus pulled his arms to rapture. And, um, and I was just so, I was ashamed that I had done that because I should have been excited and yet I was scared and the Lord just nodded at, at me. And, and it was like, I heard him in my heart and I just heard the voice and he just said, it's okay, my son. Well, then I wake up and that was the end of the dream. So I wake up in the bunk bed of my cousin, Josh, and he's probably nine or 10 years old at this time. And I wake up, I look at the ceiling fan, I watch it with my head, you know, just going round and round. It takes me 15 or 20 seconds to finally realize I'm not in heaven. It was that real. Well, I, I don't really say anything to my aunt and uncle, and not, not, not then anyway. We go to church, and that particular morning, my uncle asked me to go to the, I don't know, it was a third grade class. It was, it was the class that he volunteered in. And so I didn't go to the singles group or the, the young college group. And so we go into that class. And of course, what scripture is being shared to these, these elementary kids? Yep, Joel 2. On those last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. The sun, uh, you know, I, the, the uh, young men will dream visions and, and, uh, and, and women will prophesy, or men will prophesy. I don't, I don't ha have the scripture right in front of me. But um, then it says, the sun will go dark and the moon to blood on the great and terrible day of the Lord. And it was like exactly what I experienced in the, in the dream. So, I mean, it was just, I was stunned. I was like, well, number one, why, Lord? Why would you give that to me now? What is that supposed to mean? I, I've come to believe that I, I believe the rapture is happening in our lifetime. Secondly, the thing that I, I don't know if you caught, but I did not realize it until more than 10 years later, the uh, when 9-11 happened and the buildings were hit, it was identical to the scene I saw in the dream. And realized then that that's also another timing piece of that, that, that was happening that preceded these other events. So I know we don't know necessarily the day or the time because scripture tells us that, but we'll know the season. I believe the season is here. Yeah, I do too. And I was thinking that when I heard the part about the tower, now I've heard you 
uh, mentioned the dream before, but I'd never heard the details. Yeah, it was. Wow. It was, it was stunning. And so I think, wow. you know, is, is we, and, and so I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for a lot of reasons for that dream. I'm grateful for the stories that you've shared, how the Lord has done some amazing things. I'm grateful how the Lord has intervened in my lives and my life and the lives of others. I think if I wanted to communicate something to the audience, it would, it would just be a few short things. Jesus is real and he cares about the details of your life. Would you, what do you have to say about that, Sean? I could write a book. <laughs> oh, you did. I did write a book. No, he is real. I've got to tell you that there are so many people that I've, I've prayed with just on the spot, total, total strangers. And the moment that they are touched that they feel like suddenly their pain is gone, their questions change. They may have been an atheist. They may have been an unbeliever. They may have been like, ah, yeah, I don't know about this healing stuff. Immediately, their questions change. It is no longer about like, does God exist? They, they start off with, who are you? And then their questions about God are about substance. Their position has changed. And now they're asking from a point of, oh my gosh, he is real. And now I've got to ask different questions. Yeah. In fact, Sean, when you said that a song came to mind and that's uh, Casting Crowns and the song, Who Am I? And part of in that song that, uh, they say, or he says, who am I that the God of the earth, the God, the God of the universe would care to know my name. Yeah. And that's, that, that is, um, that is powerful. Yeah. He's real. He really is real. He I'm is. Gonna, real. And it almost seems so trite to say, but I mean, the word real you just, it can't get any more. It's even more vivid. We just don't have the language to be able to say he's real. Like when you said you couldn't see him, but you could see him inside thought. I think that's your eyes, your physical eyes couldn't see him, but your spirit eyes could. Yeah. It would be your like, spirit it, can. yeah, it's like my physical eyes were blinded, but my spiritual eyes were refreshed and renewed and restored and drawn, you know, to, to his presence. Yeah. And when the Lord speaks to us, he, you can learn how to recognize his voice in that it's like your spirit man has the same type of senses that our physical does. So we can close our eyes and we can still see things. We can picture things, mm. but we can see things. We can hear things in our mind that we're not hearing with our physical ear, et cetera, et cetera. So, well, it, wow. you know, as we, as we wrap up today, uh, this scripture also, I felt like the Lord brought to mind and I just want to share it simple, simple scripture. But for those of you who have not traced your trust, uh, placed your trust in the Lord, it's John three sixteen. for God. So loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever should believe in him should not perish, 
but have everlasting life. And we see other places in scripture where it says God's desires that no one should perish. So you're listening. If you've never placed your, your faith and trust in Christ, God's desire is that you would not perish. So I encourage you today, leave us a comment, reach out to us. We certainly would reach out to you and pray with you, reach out to a pastor, a friend, any other believer that, that, that they can, um, they can help encourage you in that walk. And if you're ready to give your life to the Lord, they, they can just lead you in that. So, um, so anyway, fun, fun podcast today, fun topic. Uh, Sean, I do also want to do a quick shout out. Thanks again to our sponsor. We appreciate all the work that you do. We appreciate uh, the value that you bring. Sean, thanks for joining me today. And I, I do want to say too, thank you for being uh, vulnerable and just sharing a little bit of your heart. We've got to do this again. Maybe next time we'll, we can do an extended version. Yeah, may, maybe so. This one was hard for me. I, I really did not, I, I wasn't ready for this one. And then I just felt like the, the, the Lord just moved in my heart and was ready to rock and roll. So I uh, just appreciate your willingness to share. Uh, and thank you again to our audience. Thank you for listening to The Grid for this for this particular episode. Um, and, and thank you for joining me in the celebration of, of the heart condition because uh, we all really need to have our attitude of our heart needs to be gratitude. And, we, and, the, and the Lord is real. The Lord is working. The Lord cares about the details of your life, like we were just saying. And so we just need to be grateful for that. Don't forget to go to kingdompatriot.us to join the movement for faith and freedom. Make sure that you give us a five-star rating on this show, because that is how we spread and broaden our audience. If you're just watching us, you can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, pretty much any other podcast platform. Follow us, subscribe, give us a five stars, do everything you can to help us spread the word. And if you're only listening today, our primary mode of distribution now is actually on video. We sure would love it if you'd share us with friends and family. And as always, your membership is appreciated, your input is valued, and your voice is definitely needed. I'm Chris Coleman. And I'm Sean Griffin. And we are Kingdom Patriots.